0: For 100 years, the Green Bay Packers have been a benchmark for football excellence. Thousands of players have helped pave the way, and we're here to tell their stories. I'm Wayne Larrabee. This is the Packers Alumni Spotlight. John Yurkovich was a defensive lineman who grew up a Bears fan in Calumet City, Illinois. Green Bay wasn't even on this guy's radar when his NFL journey began.
1: Absolutely grew up a Bears fan. 100% and everybody always asked me, Yurk, what's it like? What was it like? I said, you bleed the colors of the team that signs the checks. (laughs) I said, once you became a Packer. And then I found the Bears to be quite arrogant. When the Bears would come up here. You know, McMichael, I grew up with as a big Steve McMichael fan. I wore 76 in high school because of Steve McMichael. Got a chance to play with McMichael in 1994 at the end of his career. So that was kind of a full circle for me. Really? You know, that was kind of, kind of great. But, uh, no, I, I, I loved the, the Bears growing up. Just absolutely adored them. And then when I played here, I found them to be arrogant and cocky, kind of like Ditka. And then uh, over the course of my NFL career, I'd always keep an eye on everybody. You know, when I was here, I'd always watch the Bears. I'd watch Miami a little bit because I played at Miami in my first year. And then as I went on and on and on, I was in uh, Jacksonville. I'd keep an eye on the Packers. I'd keep an eye on, we almost got a chance to play you guys in the Super Bowl, but we ended up losing to New England in the uh, AFC Championship game, the year that the uh, Green Bay Packers ended up winning in the Super Bowl. So I almost had a chance. To get back right after I had left, it would have been nice to have been able to play the Super Bowl. Win or lose, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have just been great to get there. But, uh, yeah, always, you know, grew up a Bears fan, uh, played for Green Bay, loved playing for Green Bay. It was a ball, one of my favorite places here because uh, we went to the playoffs. So you go to the playoffs,
0: you have fun. From 1968 to 1992, the Green Bay Packers were kind of like the Israelites of biblical times toiling through the desert in search of the promised land. Yurko was part of that pilgrimage. The year before during the draft, the Packers were looking at me. I had
1: been talking to them and contacting them. And they were looking at me, and they were going through this, and they were going through that. But So I come in and work out the next year. I posted some great times and Blosh and Jerron, you know, those guys were there, and they saw the times, they knew they were pretty good. So they went back up into the meeting room, and they said, okay, let's take a look at all the numbers. Let's see what we've got here, who we're going to sign, who we're not going to sign. So they took my numbers, and they gave them to Lindy and Fani. And uh, Lindy took a look at him. And he goes, look at this kid's 20 shuttle. I said, his 10's pretty good. He's strong. He goes, this is what I'm talking about, guys. How do we miss this kid in the draft last year? What were we doing last year? when uh, this kid was drafted. And uh, I guess what had happened was during the draft the year before, he had looked at pictures of like Lester Archambault and a picture of me from the combine, and I looked like a broken down, just a broken down steer, you know, a steer that was like 105 years old and there wasn't a a good piece of meat on me. And so he goes, there's no way in hell we're gonna draft this kid. So he took my dossier and he threw it across the room and ended up drafting somebody else the year before. So when he started lambasting the guys and telling them, hey, uh, you know, how come we don't see this kid in the draft? Why don't we scout this type of player in the draft? Why is it? They put the dossier back in front of him. He opened up the picture. He opened it up and saw my picture. And he just started laughing. He said, go ahead and sign him. (laughs) And that story, you know, Jesse K told me that and Greg Bosch told me that story and Dick Geron because I was with those guys. Uh, Dick, Dick down in Jacksonville so they told me the story and it just cracked me up and that's how it happens sometimes So that's how I got signed with the Green Bay Packers. And then it was just about the pressures of Trying to get on a team trying to get on a team trying to get on a team. You know, my first year I was caught Jesse Kay comes into my room. There's two of us at St. Norbert College and it was myself and Brian Kinchin so Jesse, and Bob Nelson was the center that was here. He was kind of around. Ezra Tuolo was the kid that was drafted. Donnie Davey was drafted in that draft, too. So, you know, you're struggling. You're trying to see if you can find a way. You're counting bodies and stuff like that. You're yep. trying to make sure everything's going to be okay. So Jesse knocks on the door, and he comes in, and we're both in bed still. And I go back. I answer the door. I come back, and I'm laying in bed. And he goes, i got to talk to Buh. And I'm like, sweet, he's got to talk to Brian Kinshin. I go, this is great. He's got to talk to Brian. And the millisecond it took for me to think that I was going to be okay, he goes, I got to talk to both of you. I was like, mother of blankety blanks, blank, 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 blank. So I just put my head in the pillow. He talked to Brian first. Brian had a chance to go to Cleveland, so he's going to play with the Browns. He's going to be a long snapper. Brian played 17 years in the league as a long snapper and a tight end. Then he comes to me, and he said, listen, we want you back tomorrow. He says, "What we're going to do? We're going to release you, and we're going to bring you back in the practice squad." And that was a year the Packers only kept five defensive linemen—kept five, only five defensive linemen we kept. I'm like, "You got to be kidding!" I go to a team that only keeps five defensive linemen. Of course, they had Bryce Pop coming off the corner, and Tony Bennett was coming off the corner, so life was a little bit easier
0: for him because those were the pass rush guys. When Ron Wolf came in here, and then Mike Holmgren came in here, um, what changed? And let me ask you this. When Ron Wolfe addressed the team after he had just been hired, he said, gentlemen, most of you are not going to be here when we're going to the Super Bowl. What did you think? I think it was a, like a three- or four-pronged proposition to when
1: you knew the Packers were going to be legitimate again. It started with Ron. They brought in Mike. Brett was traded for, and then they signed Reggie. So I, that was really your four-pronged approach to let everybody know That, hey, we're serious and we're ready for business. And then Mike Holmgren comes in before that first year when we're going to get started and we're going to get ready to go. And Mike's simple philosophy is nobody's going to tell you this. Everybody's going to tell you you're not going to make the playoffs. He says, our goal is to make the playoffs, period. He goes, you don't have to tell anybody. So this is here in our room. We're going to make the playoffs. That's what our goal is. And that was 1992. I think we finished 9-7. and we We're short. We didn't get into the playoffs. Then in 93, we come back with an identical 9-7 and mark, and we end up getting into the playoffs. Right. 94, same thing, but we're in the playoffs. We're making some noise, getting in the mix. And then in 95, when Brett finally figured out what Brett was going to be, you because know, it took a couple years for Brett to really kind of figure out what Mike wanted, you know we had lost Sterling you would think that was a catastrophic loss going into a 95 season you lose Sterling Sharp that, that's, that's going to be a problem but that allowed the offense to become a little bit more diversified that allowed the offense where the ball could go a bunch of different places you know Sterling needed the ball he demanded the ball and he was, a, he was that type of player that would get the ball but the minute Sterling went out it kind of opened everything up for everybody else mm-hmm. and once everything started to open up for everybody else then that offense really started to take off And I think that's when Brett finally saw Mike's vision and then the next thing you know, you're playing in the, AFC, uh, the NFC Championship game, and you're in Dallas, and you're one step away, and we're short that year. And then they come back the next year, and they end up not having to beat Dallas. They end up beating Carolina here at home because they had the great record, and they finally end up beating the New England Patriots. in the Super Bowl. But you had gone your last year. Oh, yeah, I was gone. I was, my last game was the uh, NFC Championship game. In Dallas. I walked off the field because I knew my knee was hurt, and I didn't know what was going to happen to me. So I wasn't going to get carted off the field. I walked off, and I still think uh, Kurt Fielding, the trainer, who's still here, because I see him every Sunday, uh, Dr. Gray, who came out, they were trying to help me out, and Dr. McKenzie, who's a great guy, and they're looking at me, well, go, and Pepper was there, I'm sure. Pepper was still here. He's still here. He's still here. And Pepper was out on the field, and they're all trying to tell me to stay down. Sam Ramston might have been here too. Stay down, stay down, and I'm like, no, no. If it's my last play with the Packers, I am not going to get carted off a of damn field, boys. I'm going to get up. If I can walk, I'm going to walk. And the whole time I was swearing at, uh, at Eric Williams because he had gotten <laughs> me in the back of the knee. And and, and, the, and the whole thing was he, he had just gotten off the ball a little bit late. Yeah. He missed the snap count. And because he missed the snap count, he was in desperation mode. And eh, what are you going to do? If Emmett Smith keeps it front side, my knee doesn't get hurt. But he cut it back, and then it was like, okay, everybody hesitates. He catches up to me, catches me, in the knee and life goes on.
0: Yurko wore 92 before you-know-who wore 92, and no one has worn it since. When Reggie White got to Green Bay, everything changed, including Yurko's number. Tell me about Reggie White when he got to the locker room. What changed? All right, well, let me tell you how
1: it happened that Reggie came in. There was a a rumor in town, and we came in, and there was a little rumor. And, you know, when rumors start in the NFL locker room, you know those are pretty, like, 100% legitimately true. And these were the days before cell phones. You know, the cell phone had to be carried as a, like you were in a Vietnam War. You had to have a backpack, and you had to have the big thing next to you. Like what you see on Seinfeld. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So those things. So the rumor was coming around. And then I knew it was legitimate when I was summoned out of the training room. And I was asked to meet by the equipment room. When I round the corner and I see it's Ron Wolf, it's Mike Holmgren, Sherm Lewis, Ray Rhodes, and Greg Blosh. And they come out, and I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, huh? I said, "Uh, gentlemen, I said, how are we doing today? And he's good, and then Ron speaks, and he goes, we're going to acquire Reggie White, and we'd like you to give Reggie White your jersey. Would you agree to let Reggie White wear number 92? And I said, sure. I said, I agree to let Reggie wear number 92. I said, but I would like like some negotiations, post-exchange negotiations, to be allowed for whatever Reggie would give me for that number. But absolutely. Then Ron goes, will you present the jersey to him tonight at the press conference? I said, sure, absolutely. So when Reggie came here and the jerseys being handed to him, it was me handing the jersey to Reggie White and saying, welcome to Green Bay.
0: For a Bears fan from Illinois, John Yurkovich's time as a Packer was well spent.
1: I had five glorious years here. I I loved it. You know, and part of uh, being anywhere is becoming kind of uh, ingrained into the community. And, you know, I got ingrained into the community. I loved it. I'd go eat at Ivan's and De you know, the chicken booyah whenever it was here during the winter, you know, you go down there and and eat that on Friday nights. I, I had a ball. It was fun. Um. You know, we still, we had a house here in uh, the town of Lawrence. Uh, we we still like the family when the kids, because my kids were young when they were here. And I used to show them every once in a while, that's the house that we used to live in there. And it's got a 30 by 60 uh, sport court in the backyard. It's got a hot tub in the back under a nice little roof, because in the winters, it gets a little harsh up here. <laughs> so, you know, my boys have been back up here, and uh, they've seen everything. i got to bring my daughter. She's 14 now, so... Uh, She hasn't been up here yet, but give him a chance to experience it and get back up here.
0: You know, John Yurkovich was made for Green Bay. Blue collar, big personality in every sense of the word. He became a beloved figure here. And today, he's a radio personality back at his hometown of Chicago on ESPN 1000.